So welcome, welcome to Joyful Life. I just thought just for the, um, the sake of, you know, we are Joyful Life Bible study. Secondly, we're possessing the promises. So think of Joyful Life as our county and possessing the promises as the city. <laughs> this is where we're going to be camping this year and possessing the promises. But overall, it's Joyful Life. And I, I just love that name. Because I think that sometimes we forget that as believers, we're supposed to be joyful. We forget that Jesus said, you know, I have come that that my joy might remain in you and your joy might be full or joyful, (laughs) overflowing with joy. We forget Hebrews chapter one, where it says God has anointed him with the oil of gladness above everyone else. That Jesus has more joy than anyone else. David called God my exceeding joy. Jesus said to his disciples, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask in my name that you may receive and your joy may be full. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy. The second, right after love comes joy. You see, God wants to infuse us with his joy. Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And and again, it's in the Lord. The joy is outside of us and it's poured into us by the Lord and flowing out of us. And this is what the Lord wants to do. So we are overall the Joyful Life Bible Study. But part of the joyful life is when we begin to possess the promises of God. When we begin to know what is ours and lay claim and move into them. So I want you to stand up and I'm going to pray for you. Can I say this? There are over 500 scriptures in the Bible that have to do with either happiness, gladness, rejoicing, joy and the the we are we are the joyful life women let's pray lord i thank you for this company lord of women lord they are your daughters they are your precious ones they are your treasure lord you have loved them and inscribed each one of their names in your book of life lord you think about them and each one of your thoughts lord is great and good And Lord, if we could number the thoughts that you have towards each one of us, it would be more than the grains of sand um, in the Mojave Desert, more than the grains of sand that surround every ocean, more than those on the ocean floor. Lord, if we could take every grain of sand, Lord, your thoughts are greater in number than any of these. And those thoughts are all so good to give us a future and a hope. Lord, we want to thank you for the promises that you've given us. Lord, let us not stand outside the promises. May we not be looking over the valley at the promises or across the river at the promises. But Lord, this year, may we know what you have promised us. May we see it. May we embrace it. May we go forward and may we lay claim and begin to live in those exceedingly great and precious promises. Lord, for each one of us, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. 
So what is a promise? It's interesting, I was talking to Kathleen Keyes this morning and she said, you know, Cheryl, this thought came to me that a promise is like a present all wrapped up with a great big bow, that that's a promise. And, and we take it home and we have it. It's a promise, but it doesn't really become ours until we unwrap it and we reach inside that box and we take it out and begin to use it. And I thought, that is so good. Because a promise is an assured hope, a certainty, a gift. It's, it's something that God is going to do. When my children were little, they would call me to action by, Mom, you promised. And now my grandchildren, do you promise, Grandma? And then they hold me to that. It's if I say, oh, I'd like to, doesn't mean anything. Grandma, promise. And then they, you know, you promised, Grandma, you promised, you promised. Like if you break that promise, you are no longer a grandma or fit to be a grandma. You've just gotten your grandma's stripes just taken right off your shoulders. Because a promise is a certainty. It's a, it's a vow. A promise is binding. But a promise is only as good as the person that promises. You know, my dad, precious man that he was, used to tell my daughters, I promise to give you Disneyland. You want Disneyland? Grandpa's going to get you Disneyland. Which I think is hilarious because my dad like went to Disneyland once in his entire life. And he obviously could not give my children Disneyland. And, and they knew it, but they thought it was so precious that he wanted to. My mother used to say, I'll give you a million dollars if you'll bring me another cup of coffee. And she would hold her cup out. A million dollars. Now, I knew that she didn't have a million dollars to give. But I realized that the desperation for that second cup of coffee was worth a million dollars. And had she had a million dollars in her possession, she would have given it to me. She used to call coffee black plasma and said she needed an infusion. But when God makes a promise, it's absolutely 100% assured. Why? Because God cannot lie. Listen to this in the New Living Translation, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man. So he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? When God makes a promise, it is good, and he will carry it through. God keeps his promises. Secondly, God's nature is thoroughly good. God is good. So because he is good, he can only give good things. He can only do good things. His nature is such that he can only do good. He can only give good. He can only desire good for us. All of God's thoughts have to be good because he is good. He can't have a bad thought because he's good. He can't give a bad gift because he's good. It says that every good and perfect gift is from God. Those are the only gifts he can give, are good gifts. 
and he can only desire good. His nature is so good that he is compelled to do good and to give good and to bless. Numbers 10.29 states this, God has promised good things to Israel. Now, Israel means ruled by God. If you remember, it was the name given to Jacob. In the beginning, Jacob's name was heel catcher. In other words, I'll get it for myself. I'll grab, I'll do whatever it takes. And when you look at Jacob in the Bible, he spent the first 40 years or more of his life, first 60 really, just grabbing for himself and making things happen until he was crippled by God. And at that point, he became Israel, ruled by God. God couldn't bless Jacob as much as he wanted to. He could only cover him for those 60 years. But once Jacob wrestled with God and became handicapped, he could then be ruled by God and step into the promises of God. These promises that were waiting, stored up, but he couldn't until he was ruled by God. Now, we're told in Corinthians that these stories that we read in the Old Testament were written for our good and for our learning. That these stories are more than just a historical record of what happened in the lives of people. They're lessons for us. And they have deeper lessons And the name Israel is both symbolic and significant because there are blessings waiting for us, but we can't step into those till we are ruled by God. And once we are ruled by God, then we can step into the blessings that he has for us. Fourthly, he gives us his promises. He gives us his promises. So we can know his good intentions, cooperate with his will, so that we can get to the place where he can bless us, and that place being ruled by God. And he wants us to get to this place spiritually, to a spiritual understanding so that we can receive the promises to maybe a physical place, a place, you know, where, you know, a location where we can be blessed. Israel was to get into the land of promise so they could begin to reap the blessings. Mentally, to get our thoughts in a place where God can bless us. Emotionally, to love him and get to a place emotionally where he becomes our first, our foremost, so he can bless us. The Bible is a book of promises. Promises fulfilled, promises pending, but a book of promises. It tells us the good things that God desires to do in us and to do for us and to give to us. In 2 Peter 1.4, Peter writes this, and I think, I I pretty much know that every week, whether I want to or not, I'm going to be saying this scripture. 
It just keeps coming back to me. But this is what Peter says, by which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Do you realize that these promises have already been given to us? It's as if the FedEx man has left the package right on our doorstep. It's already there. It's already waiting. How? Jesus Christ purchased the promises of God for us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 tells us, For all the promises of God are in him and are yes, and so be it, already done to the glory of God. You see, Jesus fulfilled all the requirements necessary to bring us into the promises of God. Sometimes in the Bible, we will find these awesome promises, but they say things like, if you will love me then, if you will obey, if you will walk in my ways, if you will follow. And sometimes when we look at those conditions, we already feel disqualified from the get-go. You know, have you ever read the want ads? You know, and you know, the job ads and gone, well, I, I can't do that because that's not where my degree is. Or I can't do that because I don't have a degree. I can't do that. I can't do that. They want someone who's already got experience in retail. I don't have, you know, and you're looking and you're just like, wow, I'm disqualified from work. You know, this is terrible. But when we look at the Bible promises, Jesus already filled out the application for us. He already qualified. He lived a perfect life. He lived the life we should have lived. Every thought of Jesus was pure. Every action of Jesus was pure and good. Every emotion of Jesus was always good and pure. He never sinned physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually. He said, I always do those things that please my father. That's just how he lived in this constant communion with God. He lived the life we were meant to live. And by living that perfect, righteous life, he fulfilled all the requirements for every promise that God gave. Then Jesus wrote out a will, a, a trust that said, when I die, I bequeath all the promises that I, that I acquired during my lifetime, all the riches of God. I bequeath these at my death to all those who will believe in me by faith. And then Jesus died that we might receive those promises. Had he not died on the cross and risen again, those promises would not be ours. We would be indebted. We would be unqualified. But because Jesus not only lived a good life, but died paying our debt, putting us in his will. And I love John chapter 17. I always think of that as the will, the last testament of Jesus Christ. And of course, the Holy Spirit is the executor of the will, right? He comes and makes sure we get all those promises. 
Jesus said, he will take what is mine and he will give it to you. This is the work of the Holy Spirit to make the promises come true in our life, to apply the promises. So Jesus, by his, by his goodness, by his purity, by his battle against sin and death, his victory, his perfect sacrifice, his perfect gift, brings us into all the promises of God. Again, all the promises of God are in him. And in him, they all become, yes, you get that. Yes, you get that. Yes, you get that. So be it. Amen. So be it. Or it is done. It is so. It is so. It is so. And these promises, as we read in Second Peter 1 verse 4, that these promises are beyond great. It says exceedingly great. They exceed great. What is that? To exceed great. They go beyond greatest. They go way beyond. It's like the the difference between the moon and the earth and the earth and the sun. Or, Or let's go even further, the earth and Beetlejuice. Or the earth to the furthest star. They go beyond. You know, David said, as the heavens are high above the earth, great is his mercy towards us. It, it goes beyond great. In 1 Corinthians 2, 9, it says, I has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has planned for those who love him. Beyond great, exceeding great. You know, we're happy with great, aren't we? Great is good. You know, Motel 6 will do. If I've got a clean bed, clean sheets, no bed bugs, I'm okay. But God says we're going to go even beyond four stars, beyond five stars. We could even surpass four seasons. We're going to go so beyond everything. I'll just say this. I, I, love, I love booking hotels. It's one of my favorite things. And uh, when Brian's got to go on a trip, I'm like, let me get your hotel. And I like to, you know, bid and say, give me the best thing you've got for like 20 bucks. They always say, "Uh uh-uh. And then you go, okay, 30 bucks, "Uh uh-uh. You know, and I just keep doing that. But I was doing that for a hotel one time. We needed to stay in London. I had my boys with me and we needed a hotel. And because the boys at this time were like, you know, 30 and, and 20 something, they couldn't be in our bed or our room with us. And so Brian and I, we needed two rooms. And now that's getting a little pricey. We need two rooms for two nights. It's London. So I'm, I'm going on the websites. I'm bidding. I'm trying everything. And so I just stuck in five stars. I thought, well, I'll just see what five stars are. And all of a sudden, this thing comes up. If you will go with the hotel of our choosing, we'll give it to you. For, I mean, it was like just this incredible price, and it's five star. And I'm like, okay, by faith, I'll say yes. So Brian's like, what hotel are we staying at? And I'm like, it's this name. It, it gave it to me because I was willing to trust it by faith. And he's like, and so now Brian, the boys, they're looking at me like, we never, ever should have let mom do this. 
you know, she doesn't even know. And we're looking at the map to try to get there. It's not a famous hotel. I've never even heard of it. So we get to Paddington Station. It says it's walkable. So, you know, we're rolling our cases. And it looks, it looks, it's just white with black. It looks like every other building on the street. And my boys are just shaking their head like, Mom, Mom. And so I'm like, all right. So we walk in the door when we find it. And it's just really shabby. It's just this little room, and it's got these pamphlets here and some pamphlets here, and it's got kind of a door, and we're waiting for someone to come. And then I walk over to the door, and it opens up. And all of a sudden, there's this huge James Bond marble lobby with two of these fireplaces on each end and these sunken seating areas and these gorgeous elevators. And this concierge steps up to us and says, welcome to the so-and-so. Do you have reservations? And I'm like, yes, but I don't think I'm dressed nice enough for this hotel. <laughs> and the boys are looking going, mom, whoa. And they hand us all bottles of water. And you know, Brian goes up to the desk and they treat us like royalty. And they're like, let us take your bags. And they take our bags and we go upstairs and the boys go on one side of the hall. We go on the other side of the hall. We've got this, it's like these beautiful wooden floors, all these windows looking out to a garden. I have never stayed at a place this nice in my entire life. And I'll tell you one more story about it. But anyway, when you're, so there is no closet, no nothing, but there's like, um, it, there's all these cupboards on one side of it and you press it. And out comes a table all set for tea. And you're like, oh my goodness. So you press the next one. And out comes a closet. And it's got two robes and slippers. I'm like, oh, sorry, you know. I'm pushing and pushing and pushing. And it's so amazing. And then Brian's, you know, he's going to take a shower. And I'm like, wait, there's a radio stat. I'm just going to turn it on and see what happens. He gets out of the shower and goes, Cheryl, that's the floor. <laughs> So I had to go back in the shower until I turned it off. So I wanted to tell the boys, you've got to press on the cupboards. So I go across to the room and I'm, I'm knocking on the door and they come out. These are my boys. They're my sons. They've got my DNA in them. They've got their robes on. They've already got their slippers on. They're like, they've got their cups of tea. Like what, mom? What's going on here? And one of the things that came out when you press the button is this huge TV. It came out like a movie screen. It was like, crazy and offer 50 bucks a night. I mean, it was just, it was just a, it was just amazing, but it was beyond great. It was, it was so incredible, you know, and yet, yeah, first I was looking at Motel 6. Is there something with a one star that just guarantees no bed bugs? But the promises of God are exceeding great. But next we learn that they're precious. And that word precious means valuable or of great value. They are precious. They're like, you know, they're like 10 carats, diamonds, you know, not the, not the orange things. But the, but the diamonds and the rubies, they're of great value and pearls. They're worthy promises. They're sure and certain, and you can bank on them. You can invest in them. 
and know that you'll get a return for your investment. But not only that, they're productive promises. These promises do more than just offer us great things. They actually make us partakers in the divine nature. They bring us into fellowship with God and the Son, Jesus Christ. They make us heirs together with Jesus of all the good things that God desires to do for his Son. These promises are so productive that the promise itself strengthens our faith, brings immediate blessing, bears fruit, inspires us, encourages us, and holds us. It holds us because I'm not leaving till the promise comes. I'm not leaving till the promise comes. It's like sitting through one of those despicable me movies with your grandchildren, and they're like, no, Grandma, there's more things that those little minions do. We cannot leave. And you're waiting as all the credits, you know, because there's going to be just that one last scene that you've got to watch. But it holds us in the theater, holds us to our seat. That's what the promises of God do. They hold us. They hold us to the Lord. They hold us in place because I can make it through this trial because I've got the promise and I don't want to leave and I don't want to put all this time into this trial and then not receive the promise. I'm going to hold on till he brings me out to rich fulfillment. I'm going to wait for that so it holds us. But not only that, they're protective promises. They keep us from the corruption and condemnation of the world. Because that's what it says, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. See, when we're looking to the world to to give us that satisfaction and that fulfillment and and to satisfy that deep need that we all have, we become more and more corrupted, looking for it out of the world. And those who are looking for the world for fulfillment, they get more and more corrupt because they try something and it, sat- and it satisfies only temporarily. So they go a little deeper in it and they're not getting the same satisfaction. So they go a little deeper. Let me, let me give you an illustration that you will understand. This is one you will all relate to. Well, some of you, if you're skinny, you won't. If you're not skinny, you will. You know how you've gone on a diet before and somebody has a brownie and it looks so good. And so you blow your diet for that brownie. And when you take a bite, you realize it's dry, right? And so what do you need to do? You've already blown it. So you're going to find the right brownie, a brownie that satisfies. Even if you have to go through a thousand brownies and your diet cannot start until you get the brownie that satisfies. And no brownie lives up to. Once you get this idea in your mind what the brownie should taste like, no brownie, no brownie in the world will reach that brownie. When we lived in England, you couldn't get a box mix for brownies. So I was trying all these recipes by scratch. You know what my kids would do? Oh, mom, it's almost as good as a box mix. It's like, what? This is better. But they didn't think so. So there you go. But these are, these are productive promises. 
productive and protective promises. They keep us from the corruption and the condemnation of the world. They guard us against false, temporary, and deceptive promises of this world that can never, ever satisfy or fully deliver what we need. Their water leaves you thirsty. Our water not only satisfies, but goes deep in us, the water that Jesus gives and creates torrents of living water inside of us. So what are some of these great and precious promises that we've received from God's word? I'm just going to read a few. I'm going to give you the first promise I ever received from Jesus. It was the first thing I learned to read. It was a plaque that my mom put up in my room, and it was Isaiah 41:13. Now, we can share promises. So if I read a promise and you say, I want that one, you just claim it, sister. And next week, we'll begin to move into it. <laughs> Isaiah 41, 13. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Ephesians 4, 32, the second promise, and the promise is at the end. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I learned this promise when I was four, that I was forgiven because of the kindness of God. Romans 8, 28. Who doesn't want to claim that one? All things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 38 through 39. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. John 10, 10. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Isaiah 25, 8, he will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. Second Corinthians 5, 1, and this is dear to me because of my father, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Second Corinthians three seventeen through 18. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oops. 4, 19, I like Philippians, it's just filled with promises. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That's all-encompassing, isn't it? That covers everything. Now, those are just a few of the promises. But this Bible is filled with promises. I had to stop because the whole I could I could fill the rest of the time, the rest of the year with the promises of God. I praise God for Sunday school 
and for the Good News Club because it was there that I first was introduced to the promises of God. When I used to teach Sunday school, I would bring a box with me. And before Sunday school began, I would, I would have the kids put their name in a jar, and I would have them all sit in a circle, and I would just hold the box. When they were quiet, I would open up the box and say, I just want to show you some of the prizes that could be yours if I draw your name out of the jar, and if you cooperate, sing silly songs with Cheryl, and do the motions, and participate in the craft, and listen to the Bible story. And so you're ready when I ask you a question and you can answer it. You can choose any of these prizes. I would pull out bubble tape, ball set, airplanes, yo-yos, um, pencils, super balls, fidgets, just whatever I saw at the dollar store. I was always looking for something to put in that box, something good, something that a kid would love in that box. And I remember one year I was teaching um, 10-year-olds at family camp, and these boys thought they were really, like, you know, cool because they had switched name tags with each other. And, and they were like, you don't know my name. <laughs> you know, they had one over the teacher. I go, that's okay. I don't need to know your name. Just don't put it in the jar because I don't want to call on the wrong person. I said, but don't worry, you know, you guys are part of this. You'll still get the lessons. You don't even have to do the songs with me or anything. You just can't be part of the whole, whole thing, but don't worry. Oh, did I show you what's in my box? And I open my box. I begin to show them the different things. And all of a sudden this kid goes, I'm Lance. I'm Lance. Give me my name tag back right now. And he grabbed it from his friend. He said, here, you can have it. I'm in. I'm all in. That's what happened when he saw the promises. He was all in. Some of you aren't all in because you haven't seen the promises. You don't know how good they are. You don't know what God wants to do for you. And I, I want to say, what keeps you from the promises? What keeps you? Is it ignorance? Are you just simply not aware of all the good things that God is offering you? All the packages sitting on your front porch? Is it condemnation? You feel like you don't deserve the promises of God? You don't, but Jesus did, and he's giving it to you. Is it unbelief? Do you doubt the goodness of God or the power of God to bring it to pass? Is it unforgiveness and bitterness that you were so distracted from the promises of God? You know, it, it's like you're, you're sitting at a birthday party and you won't even open your presents because you're like, they're eating all my cake. They're eating all my cake. So you're not opening your own presents or even looking at your own cupcake. Is it a lack of desire that you like what the world is offering you better than the promises of God? Or is it fear like... If I open that box, is there a spider in it that's going to crawl out? What, what do I have to do to open that box? Maybe I just don't have the strength to open the box. Maybe somebody tied the ribbon with Girl Scout knots and I won't be able to get it out. Boy Scout knots, whatever. Whichever knots are worse. But maybe it's, it's, it's one of these things. 
whatever the obstacle. God wants to deal with it this year, that you might know his promises, that you might receive his promises, that you might enter into his promises, that you might stand in his promises, and you might take possession of his promises. In my Bible, I have dates and I have initials and secret codes that mean something to God and to me. But they're prayer requests and they're promises that I've claimed. And many of those promises right next to them, there's a word, answered, done, PIF, paid in full. And I have the date when God did exactly what he promised me. I had a prodigal. My Bible was all marked up. And every time I came to a verse where God said he was going to save my prodigal, even though I couldn't see it, I didn't know how he could possibly do it. I put her initials there. I dated it. And then I had to go back and write answered answered, paid in full, answered, answered. And now when I go back, I have to go hallelujah, glory, because she's gotten even better. She's like the most amazing, amazing woman I know. I love her so much. Only God, only God. Whatever the obstacle, these are God's promises and the potential and the power is in the promise itself and in the one who promised his power, his goodness. Over 50 times in Deuteronomy, God tells Israel that he desires them to go in and possess the promised land. The word that is used is the Hebrew word yaresh, and it means to dwell in, to make it your own, to embrace. Now, God's not saying, if you, he says, do it. When you, when you, this God wants you to have his promises. God wants you to have his promises more than you want his promises. And you want them bad. And God wants to work in you more than you want him to work in you. He wants to do great things for you more than you want him to do great things for you. You take your desire and you multiply it to exceeding great beyond all the way to Beetlejuice and beyond. And that's God's desire to give you his promises. God wants you to possess, to dwell in, to abide, to make them your own, to embrace, to treasure, to hold them tightly, to live in them, and to have them fulfilled. To find them, desire them, mark them, pray over them, live in them. Jehoshaphat, Solomon, Daniel, all included God's promises in their prayers. And all of their prayers, and I'm going to paraphrase, go something like, you promised. You promised. You promised. This year at Joyful Life, we're going to be studying, as you know, the book of Joshua. And we'll be looking at how the Israelites went in and took possession of God's promises. Through their example, we will learn how to go in and take possession 
of the promises of God for each of us. Because the Bible is an eternal book, we will realize in this study that the claim that Israel had to the promises of God is our claim. That their opposition to the promises is akin to the opposition that we face. That their obstacles correspond to our obstacles. And we're going to learn how to get past the obstacles, how to get past the opposition. Their issues are similar to our issues. Their fears are just like our fears. The reasons for their defeat are the same reasons for our defeat. Their instructions will become our instructions. Their lessons will be our lessons. Their victories will be our victories. And their possession will become our possession of the promises. This year, through studying the word of God, as we're reading it, meditating it on it, looking in-depthly at it, writing our answers, praying over it, In possessing the promised book, as we're fellowshipping together in groups, coming together, talking about it, talking with other women, some who have possessed, some who are about to possess, some who've got the promise and are just simply waiting. Those who see it from a different angle, maybe in a way that we've never seen it before, discussing it together and sharing the things that the Holy Spirit ministers to each one of us, we will realize together the exceedingly great property of these promises and the value. Then we will praise and worship in song, declaring the promises of God, declaring the character of the one who has promised us these things with our voices, Then we will listen to the proclamation of God's promises again. And together, together, we will lay claim upon the promises of God. We will move into these promises. We will stand in these promises. And we will take possession of all that God has for us. You know, in Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us, that those in the Old Testament, there were many who saw the promises afar off and held on to them, though they did not receive it. They held on to them and it changed their lives and it blessed them. It gave them the power to endure and to be victorious. But we have the ultimate promise of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us, If God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how much more will he give us all things through Christ Jesus? All things. If we, if when we were still enemies, Christ died for us, how much more that we've been reconciled to God and we desire him and his promises Our God gives good things to those who ask. So it's time. It's time. And what a joy it will be 
as we lay claim and begin to possess the things that God has freely given us through Jesus Christ. Will you stand up and let's pray. Lord, I present to you your daughters, your precious ones. You know them each by name. And I pray that you would give them not just one promise or two promises, but you would begin to multiply the promises to them. That, Lord, they would write their name next to the promises in the Bible. And they would begin to pray them and lay claim to them and believe that this is what you want to do because you are the God that cannot lie. So, Lord, I pray that you would bring them into all the riches that are already theirs through Christ Jesus. Lord, bless us as we gather together. Bless us as we study in these private times, opening up, possessing the promises. Give us understanding. Give us insight. Give us testimonies to share. Lord, enrich the fellowship in the group. May everyone feel like they've been best friends since birth. May they relate to each other. May they love each other. May they look forward to just seeing each other's faces and just enjoy the beauty, the sound of each other's voices. May they feel so loved, so welcome that they think this is where I'm wanted, even when they have teenagers at home. Lord, may they, may they be able to lift their voices in song and proclaim the praises of the God who has delivered them out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. May they draw close to you as they proclaim who you are. May they be enriched in faith as they make melody with their mouths and hearts to you. And Lord, as the word of God is proclaimed, may it go in and go so deep between the bone and marrow that it might be theirs, that it might become part of their T cells, Lord, bringing those white conquering cells, those spiritual Jesus cells to every part of their body. Just Lord, eating up all the disease, eating up all the poisons, Lord, setting them free from this world and the corruption of this world. Lord, these are your women and you know how to bless them. You know what each one has need of before it's even asked. Lord, I pray that this year you would reveal yourself to each of these, your daughters, in new and greater ways that they might know the love of God, the depths, the riches, the height, the width, and be so stabilized in the love of God. Bless these, your women. Thank you, Lord, for these, your girls. And I thank you that we're all girls because Sarah's really old. In Jesus' name, amen.